Now, second only to an instruction from Andrew is an instruction from the elders. And when Andrew said to me, it's you this week, and we've got morning service, we've got drop-in, and we've got healing service. By the way, there is a healing service tonight. Um, He said, as well as doing the service, he said, the elders have got a theme. So we have a theme. The theme is a theme of prayer. And sorry, I don't want to be jocular about this, but I'm just saying that I have a theme. And and the reason for the theme is because we haven't actually really looked at prayer a lot recently. And Andrew was saying there are quite a number of new people who might not have seen some of the stuff we've already done. So um, what I thought I'd do is some of the stuff will be familiar to those of you who've been in a service when I've talked about prayer before. But a lot of it won't be. But for some of you who have never been when I've talked about prayer, it might be helpful. So I thought I'd start off with a picture of praying hands. Oh, the wrong way around really, isn't it? Because normally we think of praying hands like that when we did prayers like a telephone. But actually, it doesn't matter what you do with the hands, as long as you're just open. And, And very often there was a fashion when you actually were like that and you were open to God. And it is good, isn't it, to be open to God when we pray. The theme of prayer. What does prayer actually mean to you? Is it sometimes a bit like that? Or is it like that? What does prayer actually mean to you? Are you like Justin Bieber who prays throughout the day? I was really pleased, actually, to think that somebody who, you know, perhaps sometimes struggles with it, being in the public eye, actually admitted to and stood up for actually praying and being part of the family of God. Now, for you, when you reflect and you think about prayer, let's look at the next picture. Sorry, Diane. It's okay. Diane's not here. It's actually a chocolate declare. Some people really love it, don't they? Some people really love prayer and really get kind of... I, I, I love actually having time to pray. Some people love it but don't have much time for it. There's all sorts of things that can get in the way of our prayer life, isn't there? But one of the things is actually time. Some people love prayer, but then other people... And you may have seen this picture before. The next one. Perhaps that's Mr. Bean. He's not actually praying. Um, Although you can pray with your eyes open, there's no rule to say that you actually have to have your eyes shut for prayer. But Richard Buse was looking most fed up actually next to him because some people see prayer a little bit like this, a little bit like a ritual that you perhaps, you know, if you close your eyes, you would go to sleep. And, you know, perhaps don't see prayer as relevant, perhaps partly because they've not really tried it very hard. Or perhaps really there may have been, there's other barriers to prayer, isn't it? You might have prayed something so hard and so much and then it didn't happen and then that might have put you off with prayer. It's difficult, isn't it, prayer, when you think, well, what actually is it? Because it's not actually asking God for stuff all the time. It's actually about relationship. It's actually about the time that you have with God, isn't it? Why do we actually pray? Do we pray because we ask God for stuff? Let's have a why do we pray screen. Actually, it's not just to ask God for stuff, although he does ask us to do that, doesn't he? He says, ask and you will receive and and seek and you will find. and, and, And he does ask us to ask. But it is something far more basic than that. It starts off at the beginning. In the beginning. Do you remember the bit at the beginning of Genesis? For those of you who's got that far in the Bible in a year and started off with Genesis, you might well have read that first verse right from the very beginning of that. In the beginning, God. And how really the whole of the world and everything was all created for us. And the reason it was created for us was because we were really the centrepiece. We were really the main reason why God did it all. We were made because God actually made us to have a relationship with him. That was what it's all about. 
the world and everything, it's not 4.7 or whatever they said on the Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy, the world and everything was all about God making an environment, making a place for us. It wasn't 4.7, was it? Anyway, but making, what was it? Oh, it's been a long time since I heard that on the radio and I've never read it. You see, sometimes it goes in one ear and comes out the other. Anyway, but in the beginning, God created the world. The whole point of the whole universe was us because he wanted to have people. He wanted to have a relationship. It's rather like that desire that perhaps people have for having children themselves. God wanted to create us and to make us and to have a relationship with us. And for those of you who have children... Or even if you think of it the other way, when you have parents who want to have relationships with you, you know sometimes those relationships can be quite difficult, can't they? But God in the beginning made the world and everything because he wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to create us, his children if you like, and love us. And he gave us breath. He gave us breath, it said in Genesis 2-7, because he wanted to give us the ability to not only live, but also to communicate with him and communicate with others. We would really struggle, wouldn't we, without breath? Susa has found that out this week. She's been trying to sing and then cough. Without good lungs, without breath, we cannot communicate, perhaps, with others. Although, actually, we can communicate within our head to God, can't we, as well? Anyway, God created us in the beginning for that relationship with him. And, and, and the picture of, in the next one, those balmy kind of walks in the park, those balmy kind of summer evenings communicating with God, is all what it's about. God and us, in the cool of the day, chewing the cud, having a conversation. However... It was in the garden, at the beginning, going back to the Genesis bit in Genesis 3, that things started to go wrong. We had this brilliant relationship with God. Well, we didn't, but humanity did. And then, shortly after that, things went horribly wrong. Next picture. And there was the fall from grace, that Adam and Eve wanted things their way. They didn't want to really relate to God and do what he said. They wanted stuff their way, and they wanted to come away from him. And there was what they call the fall. However, despite this, and many, many chapters later on, God didn't give up on us. He had his rescue plan. That actually is a really rather nice picture on my computer, but it doesn't actually really show, does it, here? It's a picture of Jesus on the cross, set in the backdrop of the world. He had this rescue plan to actually get us back in right relationship with him so that we could be forgiven, we could be restored, all of our sins would be swept away and the fact that we didn't want relationship with him but when we do, we can get back again into that relationship was possible because of the cross. For us, we could once again, if we chose to accept what Jesus did on the cross, have that intimate relationship with him, have that prayer life, have that connection. We could call on God and he would answer us. He could communicate with us because all of that has been wiped away. So then, we could be, as it says in John 3.3, Jesus said, we could be born again. We could be, if you like, back on speaking terms. We could be back in communication with God. And it talks loads in the Bible 
about God speaking to people, but it also talks loads in the Bible about how God has that desire to have that relationship with us. In John 14, 23, it says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I just love that picture of God kind of sat in his chair and sitting on the the chair and and being with us and having that relationship with us and never going away. He's like one of those visitors you want to stop, okay? Not time for you to go, God. I want you to stay here. And he said, I will make your home. We will make our home with you. However, although that sounds really nice, it could perhaps be a bit scary. Because when you think of Jesus being in your living room, perhaps sometimes... It's not very comfortable, is it? Because the living room is not only your home, but also in your life, if God actually lives in you, he knows some of the stuff that you do. And some of the stuff is the stuff that perhaps we're not very proud of. And some of the stuff is things that could be barriers to our prayer life. And the devil really kind of uses the stuff that we're not very proud of to kind of separate us once again from God. So... Jesus has actually made it possible for us to have that intimate relationship. And yeah, it's brilliant, it's wonderful. But then sometimes, have you had it when it was really, really good praying with God and then stuff gets in the way and you come away? And and Justin Bieber said, didn't he, sometimes things crowd out. We didn't say those words. Won't quote him, he's not the Bible. But, But basically, stuff gets in the way, doesn't it? Sometimes between God and us. And the devil tries to use that and kind of poises, prizes further and further and further away from God. When in fact, when Jesus is there, he will forgive us if we say sorry. And it's just instant like that. And I think guilt from stuff doesn't actually come from God. It comes from the devil trying to stop our prayer life and trying to stop that communication. It says in Psalm 103 verse 12 about how as far as the east is from the west, so far can he remove our sin from us. That, that It's forgotten once we've said it. So we don't need to worry about looking God in the eye even when we've done stuff wrong. So what is your experience of prayer? Looks a bit like this morning, actually, when I woke up, not that it was that early, but when I woke up and I looked over the A574, it was like that. It's beautiful. There was no man on the bridge, however. But anyway, what's your experience of the prayer? That sunset picture. Sometimes we can have those kind of long times of wonderful prayer, can't we? But other times it's kind of like a word, or other times we feel quite distant from God. Prayer is for different people at different times, very different. Your prayer life will be totally different from my prayer life, I hope, but your prayer life will be different from the prayer life of the person next to you because God relates differently to you because you're different. And the same thing, that God relates differently to you at different times. So prayer, you can't say, this is right. And that's what I find quite difficult sometimes about written down prayers. You know, when you have this prayer book and you have to read it. And and it's interesting writing what somebody said to God. But actually, that's not the same as to what God says to you and what you say to God. Because all of our prayer life is different at different times. Now then, sometimes... I'm not saying that this is a category. This is a very broad category. But sometimes your prayer life will be wow, okay? The awesome stuff. For different people, different ways of wow. But let's go on to the awesome God prayer. This is an example, and I do apologise because they're kind of quite long readings. This is an example that I'm going to ask Bruce to read, and I apologise to him for the length of it, about how um, Jacob had a wow prayer, okay? That Jacob had just... um, 
I'd just escaped because he'd actually, no, I won't tell you the background, but he was in a bit of a bad place and then there was a wow prayer with God. So let's listen to a bit of the background. Thank you very much, Bruce. A reading from uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 1 through 17, titled Rach and Mom. So Isaiah called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Paddan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethel. Take a wife for yourself there, from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May it give you and your descendants the blessings given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Paddan Aram to Leban, son of Bethel, the Armenian, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Azar. Now Azar learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. As I then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father, Isaac, so he went to Ishmael and married Mathaleth, the sister of Nab- and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he had already had. The next reading is titled, Jacob's Dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you. Wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Amen. Thank you very much, Bruce. You had a bit of the background, didn't you? There was a kind of family politics going on, and he had run away from his brother and all sorts of things, and he was in a really bad place. And then he had this amazing kind of experience of the presence of God. I don't know anybody here. Has anybody here, don't have to say, but has anybody here had that kind of amazing kind of wow God prayer experience? Yes? There's a few nods. 
It's brilliant. And I mean, I've had kind of experiences of, of really kind of feeling the presence of God, which is, which is amazing. But they don't happen that often, do they? Apart from perhaps for some people. But, but they don't actually happen that often. Although some people do have them more regularly than others. But it's just tremendous, isn't it, to, to really have that powerful experience. But I think for, for Jacob in that story, it was partly because he was in a really bad place at that point And he was really struggling. And he needed the assurance of God. He needed to really know the power of God, the presence of God for him in that situation. Things would be okay as what God was saying. I will bless you. Do not worry. So awesome God prayer can lead on to vision, can lead on to seeing things, and, and that's one kind of type of prayer. There are loads of different sorts of prayer. Um, the next thing is a picture, similar picture, but it talks in Isaiah 40, 31 about eagle soaring prayer. And it talks about how when you really take time with God, when you really listen to God, it can be like eagle kind of soaring in the wind that, you know, you can actually go up on the thermals and you can really have a a different view of things. You can really experience the power and the presence of God. And at that kind of type of prayer, that God will often show you stuff. He will show you things and he will direct you and, and he will lead you. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, it says. And I could do a whole sermon. I have nicked a sermon from somebody else on eagle soaring prayer. I'll tell you about it another time, but if you've heard it already, it might perhaps not be a good idea to add that one onto this. But it's just tremendous to think about that the, the presence and the power of God when we actually listen to him and soar on wings of eagles in this kind of awesome prayer. What are visions? I said here the main way of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. I don't actually think that's true. I nicked that out of a book. I think it's one of the ways, okay, because I think that you can't say that's the main way of cooperating with the Holy Spirit because vision is something that that God can give you through prayer and he can actually show you something and then he can help you to then, as you pray through it, he can actually help you to achieve what he wants to achieve in his strength and cooperation with others. So so vision is one particular sort of prayer. Let's, Let's just move on to the next thing. Vision is also seeing a glimpse of reality as God sees it. You know, rather like an eagle is really high in the sky, can see things with a whole different perspective. That vision prayer is, is like us seeing things, getting an insight into the way that God sees them, God's view on stuff. And that can come sometimes when we're praying that we can see visions, we can have that kind of envisioning prayer from God. It doesn't always happen, but that's kind of awesome stuff sometimes. Or perhaps you can get little glimpses of it. Let's get um, the next picture. You may recognise some people on there. You may even be one of the people on there. But as a church, through prayer, we commit to endeavouring through God's Holy Spirit to actually fulfil the vision that God gives us. God gives us a vision. God gives us a direction. And part of the vision that he's given us is, is being whole life disciples. Part of the vision is reaching out into the community. Part of the vision is witnessing. And that's one way. And I remember that that was a really powerful time, wasn't it? And for some people, walking through and carrying the cross... Um, on Good Friday, into the community and being that witness to Jesus. Jesus promised in Joel 2, verse 28 to 29, well, Jesus promises, Joel was promised, sorry, I'm reading my writing and it's wrong. Um, I can't read my own writing. Joel was promised by God, and then it was said again in Acts, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. God's Holy Spirit was promised to be poured out on all people in a new way. Now, I'm not saying that old men can't have visions. They too can have visions. And young men certainly take plenty of time to sleep, very often. So they will also dream dreams. So it's just saying that all people, anybody, can experience different ways through prayer of God actually speaking to them. 
Sometimes listening to God then can be dramatic. We hear and God really speaks. But other times it can be less so. You can just be having a quiet moment with God and he speaks with a whisper or perhaps not even audibly in any way. He just speaks by by quietly guiding us and, and directing us. I want to um, give an example now in our next reading of how God, through a servant's prayer, directed proceedings. It's a a reading that Mike's going to bring to us, and it's again from Genesis. And it talks of how somebody prays, because this servant was given a direction, and in fact we're going back in history actually to... um, to um, Jacob's actual parents but uh, we go back in history and, and he was given a direction, the servant, to go and sort stuff for his um, master's child and um, he prayed about it because he didn't want to get it wrong uh, The second reading is Genesis chapter 24 verses 1 to 28, it's about Isaac and Rebekah Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my own son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was towards evening, the time when women go to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please lay down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with a jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, no man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled a jar and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. 
Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a beaker and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there a room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah that bought a Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man, the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned me as kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. And the girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Amen. You may say it's a random choice of reading, but it's just a little illustration from the bit that I'm hearing from the audio Bible over the the last uh, couple of weeks. It's just a story of somebody who prayed and God answered that prayer. And it was a strange thing to say, wasn't it? But it was rather like a fleece. That's another story in the Bible. They're saying, if this happens, then please show me, Lord. And then he got kind of confirmation. I don't know if you've ever done that in prayer, when you've been praying for stuff. And you said, okay then, Lord, you know, show me this way. And it may be just God prompting you to actually say, and it's kind of trying to work things out, trying to relate with God and and trying to understand what his direction is. How does the Holy Spirit speak to us today through prayer? I don't imagine that you've done perhaps any of that kind of blind dating thing that uh, the servant did. But let's just look in the next picture about some of the ways in which God speaks to us through prayer. He can speak to us through prophecy. In other words, you know, speaking out some of the stuff that God has actually shown us. Um, tongues and interpretation, words of wisdom and knowledge. And also through preachers, through what people say from the pulpit or people who are preaching um, to you, prophecy and, and pastoring. That is, in itself, there's so much there that you actually can't begin to unpack it. Okay. What I could do, because I could take a, a sermon on each of those subjects, okay, but I'm not going to. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to see how does it actually practically outwork. Let's look at the next thing. This is the prophecy bit. How does it happen that God speaks to us when we pray through something like prophecy or through visions? Sometimes he can, as he did. Do you remember the um, service a couple of weeks ago? when Andrew took the picture of the potter in the clay. You'll remember that one, Charlotte, with that, that thing. But that's kind of a picture where God speaks to somebody prophetically through kind of visions or mental images or something. That when you pray, God may give you something like that. And then there's another one there. There's another illustration that, that um, he gave to Amos about a plumb line. And, and, and he got him thinking. And, and So when you pray, you might get like a mental image. And that's the way that perhaps prophecy, one of the ways that, that a kind of prophetic gifts can be given in prayer. Let's have a look at the next one. Sometimes when you pray, and there's an illustration of it in Acts when Philip had this, but sometimes when you pray, do you ever get like a God nudge? You know, like he kind of pokes you in a direction. You you kind of feel like either he nudges you away from something or he nudges you towards something and you think, hmm, and perhaps you might want to test it out, but, but sometimes God nudges you in a particular direction. That's another way, and it may be that that's another way in which the prophet pastor, you know, maybe the pastor or people pastor might be caring for you and nudging you in a particular direction as well. Next one. Sometimes when you pray, that words of scripture come to your mind. You know, you might have some kind of, I've, I've sometimes had like a little phrase, and I think, where on earth is that from? And I Google it, Bible online. Brilliant. 
if you have that, or a concordance. And you think, where is it in the Bible? And, and sometimes the whole passage will really speak to you because God's nudging you and God's directing you through his word, which is a wonderful way to be directed. Also, Acts 11, the, the reading that goes with that, it says that um, Peter was preaching, and as he was preaching, he remembered scripture. And sometimes when you're trying to say something, and you're trying to share something with somebody, a word of scripture will come to your mind when you're praying and saying, God, what can I say in this situation? Words of scripture will come to you. Sometimes when we pray, words of scripture will come to us. Next. Sometimes when we're dreaming, and there's illustrations there, sometimes when we're having a dream, God will actually pray. I mean, how can praying happen when, you know, how can God speak to you when, when, you're, when you're dreaming, when you're not actually really praying? But, but throughout the day and also throughout the night, it's a relationship, isn't it? God speaks to us prayerfully sometimes when we are asleep. Somebody was talking to me earlier on uh, yesterday about dreams, but that's another story. Anyway, (laughs) I won't embarrass them. Moving on to the next one. The idea that when we pray, when we pray together, and we've had that several times um, within church, when the elders have prayed, or perhaps when we prayed about particular projects and things, that God will speak to a group of people when we pray, and then we all feel, yeah, that is the right direction. It's kind of consensus from a group will help us and will guide us in prayer. Sometimes when we talk about praying and and listening to God and the fact that it's all different, sometimes it's all sermons, sometimes it's that kind of intimate kind of direction from God. Sometimes when we think about it, we find it difficult to work out when stuff's from God and when stuff's just from our imaginings. You know, you're, you're praying and then you think of jacket potatoes and you think, actually, that's what I was going to have for lunch. Do you know what I mean? That, that actually isn't really necessarily from God, although I'm sure that's not particularly bad for you. But sometimes when you hear something, you, you doubt yourself, don't you? And you doubt whether you're hearing right. And I just want to um, finish off, you'll be glad to hear, um, just almost, just with um, a kind of a way of working out whether something is from God or not. Now, people who've been here for a number of years will have heard this before, but it's worth repeating. If we actually think we're hearing something from God or some experience is from God, um, we need to do the Fogg's test to work out if it really is. So, let's have that next week. The way, why it's called a Fogg's test, because it helps you to see through the fog, but also because it's F-O-G-S. Okay, let's go on to the F of Fogg's. If we have something from God, is there confirmation that it's from God in objectively verifiable facts and events? In other words, do the facts bear it out? Okay. So, for example, if God gave a vision to somebody of having um, Treat's coffee shop and then it never happened, then would it actually be from God? Perhaps it might have been, but certainly when the vision of having Treat's Coffee Shop came to somebody, who did it come to in the beginning? There must have been somebody who had the idea. Do you know what I mean? That when it actually happened and it was successful, then you know that that's an idea, that's something that God's given you. Okay? And it's the same with the youth drop-in. That was something that God gave me about eight years ago. And now it's happening. And you sort of think, well, yes, that was from God. God's given other people other things, something, the Friday night group and things like that. There are other things that God gives people. Are you hearing right from God? Sometimes the facts will later back up that it is actually from God. The next one. 
others? Do other people who are filled with the Holy Spirit having a confirming witness? It's like consensus of a group. You know, you're praying about something. If you were in a, in a, a meeting of, of people who are Christian and you're praying about something, like we've done recently a number of times in church, we've said, is this right? Is this the right direction? If you pray about it and other spirit-filled Christians say, yes, it is right, then the likelihood is that it is from God because he doesn't speak just to one person usually. When people are really seeking him, that the, when there is that consens- consensus. I mean, I'll give you one example of that. Um, a little while ago, um, really felt, and a number of people really felt, that there should be a, um, a YFC youth worker in Lim. Um, several people thought it was far too much money, but then we had a meeting, um, and we said what we'll do is we'll, we'll ask all of the churches, we'll have a pray about it, and um, we'll have this meeting, which was um, last Wednesday, when it will be confirmed by people saying yes, but also confirmed by um, the financial backing of the churches, because we needed quite a lot of money to employ, not a volunteer as Sousa is, but to, to employ a part-time worker in Lem. When we went to meeting on Wednesday, £23,000 was actually pledged towards this youth worker. That's quite a lot of money, even for Lim. Um, so when you're, it's not actually our church, by the way. It's all of the churches in Lim. <laughs> Don't worry. But I'm just saying that that's kind of Christians having a confirming witness, isn't it? They've all gone back, they've prayed in their churches, and they've come back and they've pledged this money. And this is at a time when a number of churches, believe it or not, in Lim actually are struggling financially. And they're saying, we really can't pay as a church. We can't give anything as a church. So we're going to ask our people if one church said they couldn't afford anything and then they sent out um, invitations to the congregation to pray as, in, um, to pay as individuals and they gave £1,700 for one church that said that they have no money. So that's the kind of thing where do other people have a confirming witness? Moving on. Does it give glory to Jesus in the present and in the future? If God's saying something to you and you think it would be something that would glorify God, then it is probably from him. And finally... Is it consistent with the intention and character of God as in revealed in Scripture? If God's saying something to you and you think it's something that sounds like God would say, because you've read the Bible and it's a God-like thing, then that is another thing confirming that it is from God. So, that fog's test. Facts, others, glory, Scripture. Help us to unravel when something actually is just going on madly in your head or whether something is actually from God. Just the last couple of slides. And then we'll get on to respond to God. One thing that's really important when we pray is actually to do some listening prayer. And sadly, I've given no time today (laughs) to actually do that at the end. But tonight we have a healing service when there will be an opportunity for listening prayer and listening to God. But just to urge you that we are all called, on the next thing, to join in with the dance, to join in with the dance of cooperating with God. You know, it's no good just saying, I'm going to do this for God, unless actually God asks you to do it. And, it, and the next screen, it's a picture I've used before, is the idea that, that when we're trying to listen to God, when we're trying to work with God, it's, it's like kind of joining in a dance with him. It's like saying, you know, you lead me, you show me the steps, God, and, and I'll dance with you. And, and we start off a bit like that little girl. I don't know if you can see the picture from the back, but the little girl's dancing with her dad, and her legs aren't even anywhere near the ground. And, and then when we start with God, when we cooperate God, with God in the beginning, we're actually pretty useless. All we're doing is to hugging on to him and holding on for dear life. But in the end, he, got, he gives us gifts and he equips us, and he actually helps us to do the things that he wants us to do in the strength that he gives us and in the equipping that he gives us. So my final challenge to you is with a final picture. Prayer. Are you getting enough?
Ignore this as you're lactose intolerant, okay? Just think of fruit, five a day. Are you actually getting enough prayer? Are you actually giving yourself enough time? Don't feel guilty about it, but just grab the stuff that you can. Grab the time that you can. Because when you have two babies to look after, it's not picking on you there, but it's just when you're going like this. I remember the times when like, I thought I was doing really well if I had 30 seconds a day to prayer, because you just, you just can't do it, can you, sometimes in certain circumstances. But at the beginning of the day, just a quick prayer saying, God, please give me some time today to actually spend time with you. And even that's about 20 seconds, unless you actually pray as quickly as me. So try and you know, give God some time and ask God to carve out time just to be with him. Even if it's you know, more time once a week, but, but just grab time with God. Because he is our faithful God and he wants to speak to us. Because that's what we were made for. Let's just pray. We thank you, creator God, that you made us for relationship with you. We thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus that we could be restored, forgiven, and come back into that relationship with you. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to carve out even a little bit of time, but carve out time to do the thing that we're made for, to spend time with you, to call on you, to connect with you, and to cooperate with you for Jesus' sake, but also for ours. In his name we pray. Amen.